Good morning, church. Welcome. We're continuing our morning series during these next few weeks, Lessons for a Quarantine Church. We started this last week. I want to continue looking at the same text, Psalm 103, verse 5. The title is, When Your Heart Desperately Needs Renewing. And I guess we can all kind of relate to that in times like this. Here's the text we started with last week. Psalm 103, verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And I pulled three thoughts out of that text last week. Let me just review them quickly before we move on to point number four. Here's what I think this text says to us. First, the issue of inward renewal is found in satisfaction with God and not with ease of circumstance. That's really important. You look at the verse again, 103 verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed. So, So the renewing, that's the result, it comes from being satisfied. Satisfied in God. So... The first thought last week was satisfaction has renewing power. It has renewing power that mere pleasure doesn't have. This is how the heart, he says, it's, it's like uh, renewed youth. This is how the heart is kept, has kept young, full of life and strength. And, and by contrast, I guess, we see how people grow weary before their time. They, they fail to find their deepest satisfaction in God. And here's the battle. Here's the battle we all face. Circumstances tend to draw us into themselves rather than God. That is both pleasant circumstances and trying circumstances. Pleasant circumstances, delights, pleasures tend to make us ignore God. Trials, difficulties, bad circumstances tend to make us doubt and question God. So the issue of being inwardly renewed is finding satisfaction in God and not just ease in circumstances. Here's the second thing we looked at. Here's a spiritual law. People will grow inwardly weary if they confuse pleasure with joy. The psalmist is talking about being satisfied in God and how that has renewing power. And so so we need to to not confuse pleasure with joy. Pleasure feels good. I mean, that's why we call it pleasure. Pleasure. Joy, on the other hand, brings satisfaction. Satisfaction is not the same as pleasure. Satisfaction is more than just a, a feeling of delight. Satisfaction, uh, it completes and contents the heart for what it was created to be in Christ. Happiness, here's what circumstances teach us, eh? Trials teach us that happiness, pleasure can be very fleeting cuts to the core of what's on the psalmist's mind. Remember this all your life. Pleasure can be found almost anywhere. Satisfaction can only be found in God. 
Satisfaction can only be found in God. The third thought I wanted to look at. You, you, you measure your satisfaction in God by the loss of interest in anything else as the source of your ultimate delight. You can certainly have other interests. Other things can bring you happiness, but they aren't meant to be your source of ultimate satisfaction in life. This is what the psalmist is, is, is talking about. And so, and so we stop and we say, so how can I know? How can I know if I'm the kind of person who finds satisfaction in God alone? Or, I mean, I'm reasonably happy with life, but maybe that's just because I've got a pretty good life. How can I tell the difference? And, and that's not a question to be answered lightly because that's what's going to hold you up when some of those other things, like the situation we're in now, some of those other things get stripped away. This is what's going to hold you up. Your satisfaction in God alone as your ultimate source of satisfaction. And, and the text we quickly looked at was Jesus' words in John 6.35, where Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. And we looked at those phrases, will not hunger, will never thirst. So Jesus is saying, people who find me, who know me, who grow in me, here's how you can tell that there's a fruitful walk being developed there. They, their interest in other things lessens. Other things don't become essential anymore to their satisfaction. You, you can tell when trials come and other things get stripped away and they feel the pain of that like anybody else. We're human beings, but, but there's something they have in Christ that sustains and holds them up. And now we come to what I want to look at today. How can I train my heart how can I train my heart to be satisfied in God? Look at Psalm 103, verse 5 again. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Who satisfies your years with good things. And somebody has to just wanting to say right now, just wait a minute, Pastor Don, that's the whole problem. I would be satisfied like the psalmist said, if God was filling up my life with good things, but he isn't. I'm disappointed with the cards he's dealing to me. This is a horrible situation, Pastor Don, that I'm in. How can my soul be renewed in the middle of this mess? How can I possibly change my outlook when I don't see very many good things coming from God right now? Isn't that the question? I think it's the one we all want answered at one time or another. And I think the psalmist has an answer. Maybe you'll see the answer more clearly if, if we widen out, study the verse we mentioned at the beginning of this teaching, but see it set in the context of the verses around it. So, so look at Psalm 103. Have your Bible. Get your Bible if you don't have it. Psalm 103. Now look at verses 1 through 5. And here's what the psalmist says. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he's talking to himself. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So he has to, he has to tell himself to do this. You have, to, you have to sort of capture your thoughts. You can't just free fall. Don't let your thoughts just happen. Shape them by the word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, not one, forget none of his benefits. And now he's going to get a little more specific. Who pardons all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, and here's where we started, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And the advantage of taking these verses together is, you look at verse 5, and if I were underlining, who satisfies your years with good things, and then if you back up, that's in verse 5. If you go 4, 3, and 2, he tells us what those good things are. The good things God has done for us. And so, so the question we're asking in this fourth point is, how can I train my mind to be satisfied in God? When other things are stripped away, how can I, how can I train my mind to be satisfied in God? And, and what I want you to see as we start to kind of land with this teaching I think that's exactly what the psalmist is doing in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Psalm 103. He's, he is teaching himself. That's why I pointed out the way he talks to himself. He's teaching himself how to be satisfied in God. And, and here's, here's what we see. The renewing of your heart so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The, the renewing of your heart is tied to your capacity to remember the right things in a time of trial. Don't forget his benefits, the psalmist said. If we forget the benefits, we'll miss the renewal. If we forget the benefits, we will miss the renewal in the middle of the trial. L look at the verbs leading up to verse 5. Pardons, verse 3. Heals, verse 3. Redeems, verse 4. Crowns, verse 4. Why is he doing this? Here's the problem. My mind and yours, our minds, are dreadfully weak when it comes to remembering ongoing mercies. Amazingly, the same people who can remember a wedding anniversary that rolls around 20 years after the wedding, or people who can remember the birthday that only comes one day in 365, people who can remember those things can't concentrate on regularly received daily blessings. And I'll tell you why this is so. What makes anniversaries rememberable, hopefully, is the fact that the anniversary doesn't happen all that often. It's special. What makes a birthday rememberable is it's one day out of 365. It's special. It doesn't come around that often, so you remember it. But here's the problem. 
The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. In other words, I never live one day of my life without those blessings. Now, that's both a great blessing and a huge problem. It's a blessing because because our lives have been redeemed from destruction. They've been crowned with loving kindness. But it's a huge problem because regular blessings are always the most forgotten blessings. Regular blessings are always the most forgotten blessings. Consider this. Here we are in this present pandemic crisis. Let me just share my heart with you. I get get emails from lots of people and almost all of them say something like this. They say, oh, Pastor Don, I just can't wait. I can't wait till we're all together again. It's going to be so wonderful to just have the whole church back in the sanctuary. Boy, we take this for granted, Pastor Don. This is going to be the greatest Sunday when we're all back together again. And let me tell you what goes through my mind. What goes through my mind is this. That's, it's true. It's true that when this is all over and we all get to gather together, everyone's going to think it's wonderful. And then you know what's going to happen? I'll, here's my prophecy. About 90 days later, the same people who right now are saying, oh, I just can't wait till we're all together. What a blessing. Those same people, after about 90 days, after about three months of church, are going to be thinking, boy, it'd be great to get to the lake. What a beautiful day. I want to get to the boat. Great to sit by the pool. What a day. We'll barbecue. Oh, there'll be, there'll be anniversaries to go to. Christians, more and more, they're going, to put, uh, they're going to put bridal showers on Sunday afternoon and they're going to invite everybody to come so they can't come to church Sunday night. It'll all go back to normal because we miss the blessing now because we don't have it. When you have it all the time, those are the hardest blessings to reckon with seriously and to treasure seriously. So that's what the psalmist is saying here. The psalmist shows me how to train my heart to find its deepest satisfaction in God. And he says, I must, I must, two things, constantly remember and constantly praise. Let me me start wrapping up this way. Just take, he says, who, who pardons all your iniquities. Let's just take one of the blessings. Just take the joy of being pardoned all your iniquities. This is directly linkable to the kind of joy Christians possess in the middle of their trials. And it's, it's, it's a curse of long-term followers of Christ that we come to think lightly of our forgiveness from God. I mean, I mentioned this in one of the 
refresh devotionals on Wednesday night because I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of my own life. I just ask God for forgiveness. He's a good God. He loves me. I ask him. He forgives. It takes no time at all, and, and I'm, I'm on my way, and it's easy to receive forgiveness just so lightly. And I'm, I'm starting to relearn a lesson that I, I mentioned in our devotional time on Wednesday night. I've been thinking a lot about the way Jesus links my request for God's forgiveness with the kind of wrongdoing I receive from other people. We looked at it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15, where Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And then he says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So two times in his teaching on prayer, and especially prayer for forgiveness from God, Jesus insists that I connect requests for God's forgiveness with the experience of being wronged by someone else. Now, I'm asking you just to think about the blessing of being pardoned. And and here's, here's how you do it. Picture the wrongs we have received from people. Picture a wife who has experienced the unfaithfulness of her husband. Picture the Christian business person who's been cheated out of what would have been his retirement funds by a crooked business partner. Picture that. Picture the Christian who has been repeatedly lied to and betrayed by a close friend. Picture those situations. What does your offer of forgiveness, what does it cost in those situations? I mean, forgiveness brings, it's an incredible burden to the one asked to do the forgiving. Forgiving in those situations, it's not light, it's not breezy, it's not easy. Forgiveness has this tremendous cost to it. And now we come to God. Remember, the psalmist says, who pardons all your iniquities. We come to God. The all-perfect one, the never-in-the-wrong one, the holy one. We come to the one who has an infinitely lower tolerance of sin than any who have been wronged by someone here on earth. And we want his forgiveness. For that kind of a God to forgive one transgression is a great relief. But, but how much greater to be forgiven all? To go to that kind of holy God with zero tolerance for sin, 
to go to that God and for me to be pardoned every sin I have ever committed, every wrong, every wrong attitude, every wrong desire, every impure thought, every bad attitude, every wicked deed, to have all of them blotted out? How much great greater to be forgiven every wrong ever committed before a holy and just God. I mean, remember, remember the state of angels who sinned, much like we. They were offered no pardon, as far as we know, no forgiveness, but we are. I wonder if any of those thoughts were in the psalmist's mind. He, he sounds absolutely stunned, amazed. He's reaching for words where he says, uh, in the same Psalm 103, 10 to 12, he says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Amazingly. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. Because this is the greatest blessing of all, it should move our hearts. But but because I live in that divine provision every day where his mercies are new every morning, I can go hours never thinking about it. Thoughtful, passionate remembering ought to stir up constant praise which renews spiritual hearts and removes heaviness. Isaiah 61.3 To grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise, listen, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Do you see the options? A mantle of praise, remembering all his benefits, What's the, what's the alternative? Well, all you have is a spirit of fainting because other things get stripped away. So for your own soul's sake, take seriously the summons of this psalm. Train your heart to be satisfied in God by remembering the mercies that come on a daily basis that we're so inclined to forget because of their consistency. Especially when trials come, your renewed heart depends on it. Just this week, I read these wonderful words from Spurgeon's morning and evening. Here's, here's how you can trace this growth of being more and more satisfied with God. Spurgeon says this, The important thing is not to get discouraged. Look for the growing signs of increased life. If you could indulge in sin without fear of getting caught, yet that very indulging in sin would be punishment in itself. If you could have the whole world and live in it forever, yet that without God would be a misery too great for your soul, then, then be of good courage because God is what you crave. With all your sins and all your imperfections, still be comforted knowing that if your soul has no rest in sin, 
you are not dead in sin. If you are still craving and crying for something better than God has not forsaken you because you have not forgotten him. So take heart, church, and encourage, encourage your soul with those words and live, live this week in the life of renewing this truth from one verse, Psalm 103, verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Let me just say this. As it turns out, by the time this is done, there's probably over a thousand people that watch this teaching. And let me speak to you. Um, Maybe you're here and you're watching this and your own heart is disturbed and upset about the coronavirus. And I understand that. But the greatest need you have right now in the middle of all this, like all of us, the greatest need you have is to find pardon and mercy from a holy God through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins. It is still the life-changing way to find peace with God. And if we can help you, if we can help you with that, you'll see an email address. Just, just get in touch with C Mix. That's Pastor Chris at cedarview.org. We'll be happy to help you in any way we can. We'll try and get a Bible to you. We just want to reach out with the joy that we have found, the satisfaction that we have found in Christ. Make that yours. Let's pray together. We're so grateful, Jesus, you are still the way, the truth, and the life. Your word is still true. Your life is still rich. Your mercy is new every morning. Eternal life through trust in the death of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave on Easter morning. We rest in that. We trust in that. Thank you for your mercies. Renew our hearts. Give us strength as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.